So, in your notes, number one, I, I let him speak to this concept so that you don't have a preacher up here who has a degree in theology uh, making statements about sociology, biology, and so forth. I can read just like anybody else can read. I can be educated in those areas like anybody else. That fellow's a PhD, and he's a, he's a preacher, and he's uh, got a theology degree as well. Uh, he's actually the, uh, the, the dean, I guess, or the head of a theological school in Africa right now. Uh, he used to be a speaker all over the place. Uh, in fact, he used to be a youth speaker. I remember hearing of Vadi Bakum back then. Um, but he actually also has a degree in sociology. So I let him speak to that. So number one, we're all born in to one race descended from Adam. Amen? Okay, let's look at what the Bible says. He said that this is not a biblical concept, but what I'm interested in is giving you what the Bible does say, not what the Bible doesn't say. So uh, Paul was brought before a room full of philosophers in his day. Today, he would have been brought before a room full of, you know, scientists probably. But this is, uh, this is, what, he, uh, this is what he said to them. So then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made all the world and everything in it. How much of the world did God make? And how much within the world did he make? everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. Now listen, this is Acts 17 verse 26. Paul speaking to the Gentiles who had never heard the gospel, many of whom had never even heard of the Jewish God, the one true God. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. From how many men? One. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Why? His purpose, that is this one God's purpose, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Well, that's an excellent passage, and I would commend it to you. That's Acts chapter 17, uh, and you can actually begin up at verse 16 there, 17, 16, you can remember that. Um, we're all essentially descended from one couple. Now, there are some uh, genetic issues here, some biological issues here, but if you want to look it up, all women share mitochondria from mitochondrial Eve. All men share the XY chromosome from chromosomal Adam. Hmm, that's science. Now, how does this all work out at the beginning and Genesis and so forth? I, I'm not going to get into those uh, debates and those discussions. I'm simply going to make the biblical case that we are all descended with one blood from one couple. Can you say amen? Amen. 
We're all a part of the human race. That's a race that every one of us agrees with and are part of. Number two, we come from distinct and diverse families within the human race. The Bible does speak of nations, and that is the typical word that would be used, nations or peoples, that would be used to translate the Greek word ethnos, from whence we get our English word ethnic. Ethnicity is real because it speaks to culture. It speaks to cultural differences. And based upon where your ancestors grew up, I made this statement a couple of weeks ago, based on where your ancestors grew up, you physiologically have the adaptations of your ancestors. So those of us, I'm just going to say this again, those of us who have lighter skin, were, uh, our ancestors came from regions where there was not a lot of sunlight throughout the year, right? The northern regions, northern European peoples are lighter skinned. And there is, there's a purpose there uh, that God placed within us. You actually get vitamin D by walking out and getting sun, right? And so as the result, that sun needs to penetrate the skin. However, when there's very limited sun, you need to have lighter skin so the sun can penetrate. And limited sun, I mean, it is, it is out for a limited period of time. Okay? then the sun needs to penetrate deeper into your skin for a longer period of time in order for it to produce vitamin D. Increased melanin in the skin is actually a protection from radiation damage to the skin. This is why people that are very light skin have to wear a ton of sunscreen or it will destroy you. I mean, it's bad. It's really, really bad. This is why uh, Irish folk... Uh, in particular, tend to freckle. They have very, very light skin, and this is the skin's effort to sort of protect against that, right? You have more melanin in your skin based upon where your ancestors grew up. Southern Europeans are olive-skinned. Why? They're closer to the equator. So these are the adaptations that God has, has uh, put into our bodies so that we can handle where it is that our ancestors grew up, Okay. So we come from diverse and distinct families among the human race. We do have differences, and we shouldn't erase those differences or ignore those differences. We should celebrate those differences. Amen? That's what helps you to understand that the world is not about you. It just doesn't surround you. So there's all sorts of things that I don't like, right? Um, you know, there are stylistic differences, there are clothing differences and so forth, musical differences that I don't like, and those can relate to culture. But when you elevate your taste and your uniqueness and your differences or the differences of your people, those you identify with, over other people, or in our current context, more accurately, when you put other people down because of their differences, then that's a problem. Number three, and this is under our, our rubric of race, by faith in Christ, you may be reborn. And then you become part of a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a royal nation. That is what you should make every effort to identify with. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what 1 Peter 2.9, and by the way, those of you that are coming to my Peter study or you're joining us online, either by YouTube or uh, by Zoom, uh, we've been, this is, we were there about a month ago, 
And this is, what it this is what it teaches us. You see, you heard Dr. Bauckham talk about the difference between Jew and Gentile. The Jewish people are God's chosen people through whom the Messiah came. The Messiah then extends God's uh, um, invitation to the rest of us. And when we come in through Christ, we become a part of that chosen race, that royal priesthood, that holy nation. That's what you should focus your effort and energy on. Now, I think it's interesting. Uh, my mom really loves to delve into uh, the DNA and, and our heritage and all of these sorts of things. And, you know, I have, I have uh, an Irish heritage and an English heritage. Those are nationalities. Those aren't races. Okay, and that's Northern European, and that explains the color of my skin. And I have a Danish heritage as well. Um, that's Northern European. That explains the color of my skin. That explains why my eyes are blue. Uh, that is, explains why my hair was, I mean, it was the color of hay when I was a kid. It was blonde, blonde, right? And, uh, you know, as you get older, if you watch Danish folk, the same thing happens. Hair gets darker. Uh, those, are, those are national uh, inherent inheritances, but in the end, although that's interesting, that's not where I'm going. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That's not where I'm headed. What I want to know is where I'm going. And where I'm going is the kingdom of God. Amen? In fact, I'm part of that now. And if you choose to put your faith in Christ, that is the holy race that you have become a part of. You see, in this sense, race is entirely a spiritual idea. It means you either are part of the natural, the fallen race of human beings, or you are saved and you become part of the spiritual, the supernatural, the race that God intends for us to be for the rest of our existence. And that is that, that chosen race. God, you know, we, we focus a lot on, you know, well, I chose Jesus. So I made that decision. But, you know, if God hadn't, offered that to you and chosen you first, you would never have chosen him. Now, we're not going to get into uh, issues of predestination and so forth tonight, but I just want you to know it's God's choice that really matters. Yeah. It does not depend on the man who wills or on the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. Amen? Amen. That's what it depends on. You're not working your way into the kingdom, even with your faith. There's kind of this concept that, well, faith is really kind of working. And, you know, I put my faith in Jesus and so I'm saved. You're saved because God offered you mercy. Amen. That's why you're saved. And you need to begin to identify with that. That's what you and I need to put our focus on. All right. So let's look at this concept of racism. Number one, if racism is the presumption that your ethnic group is superior to others, then the sin you commit is the same sin as Lucifer who became Satan, and that is the sin of pride. Amen? So, um, kids, I've got kids in the room. Kids, yes, yes. All right, kids. Have you ever played King of the Mountain? King of the Hill? No? Really fun game that I'll tell you about, and then your parents are going to hate me, right? So what you need to have is you need to have something that is high enough so only one kid can stand on it, and all of the other kids need to try to pull them off of that high place and get up in there, get up in, there in their place, right? So it'd be like me taking this plant off of here, all right, and putting one of you kids up on top of this table right here, 
And then the job of the other kids is to try to pull that kid off the table instead. You can see how this gets dangerous, right? right? We used to do it on a literal hill, right? Something, not a table. You don't want to do this on a table. Or I thought about doing this as an example with you kids with a chair, but then I thought parents would be mad at me because then you'd be doing it at home. Um, the point I'm trying to make is this is what's happening with racism. It's like, no, I'm better than you. Pull you down. Kids, this happens with you all the time. You compete. You don't like somebody saying that they're better than you. You want to be better than them. But see, that's what the root of racism is. It's pride. It's the need to be better than somebody else. But the scripture doesn't teach you to be better than anybody else. In fact, it says that we should treat other people as better than ourselves. That's the Jesus way. So that's different than pulling each other off of the table. That's lifting the other person up and helping them and getting them to be able to stand on the table. Right now, I said that this is uh, that this sin is uh, the sin that comes from uh, Lucifer. And I use that term that uh, that name that is advisedly. There's an interesting passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 14, and many theologians believe that although this begins to talk about an earthly king, it departs from talking about an earthly king and is starting to talk about the power behind the throne. And in this case, that would be Satan. Well, his name wasn't Satan originally. He was uh, the son of the dawn. He was, uh, his name was the name that's similar to light, and that we get Lucifer from the Latin, light, right? Just let me read this for you. How you were fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside in the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. Instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead, to its lowest depths. He wanted to elevate his throne above the throne of God. And that's why we say original sin really predates Adam and Eve. Original sin is the sin of pride and it's the sin of Lucifer. When you think you're better than other people, that's Satan's sin. You think your people are better than other people? You treat other people as less than you? Oh, those blank. Put it in there. There's all sorts of terrible terms that are being thrown around today, right? It's not just about folks that identify as black Americans or Mexican Americans or Latino or whatever your ethnic identity is. There are groups that gather together and elevate themselves up. Now, you're a part of multiple groups. You're a part of a subculture. You're, in part, you're a part of an ethnic group. The question is how much of that, of the values of that group that are inherent in that group, what they teach is good, in other words, what they teach that you ought to do, how much of that have you taken in? And you know what we say, parents, more is caught than is taught. So if you're, if you're doing something unhealthy or bad and you're telling your kid, uh, do, what I, do what I say, not what I do, kid. They're watching you. They're watching what you do. Now, this is why it's, it's a huge responsibility to be a parent. It's a huge responsibility to be a father. It really, really is. 
because you got to watch. Now, I've taught karate for years, um, and it's been one of my ways of staying in contact with children for a long period of time. And what I can tell you is sometimes I'm up here talking, or recently I have been turning different ways so the class can see me, and I end up doing something backward or wrong. And they see it. They don't do what I say. They do what I just did. Right? So if I'm up here trying to show good technique, then they're going to see that and they're going to copy that good technique. If I'm just telling them, hey, do this. No, 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 do it that way. No, do it that way. They may not understand that. They have to see good technique. You have to teach your kids good values. Amen? Amen. And more importantly for you today, because I'm going to talk about individual responsibility today, not corporate responsibility. You are individually, you are personally responsible to throw off those wicked values that get passed on. And we don't think of them as wicked when our group says they're acceptable or okay. We don't think they're wicked when we're in our set, in our setting with our group, and we're just joking. And oftentimes, um, racism slips in via humor. There's just so many racial jokes out there, it's unbelievable. Um, and they may be jokes that make fun of a, a particular nationality. Now, I haven't heard any of these jokes in years, and I'm just going to tell you an example. I'm not going to tell you a joke, but I'm, I'm not even going to give you the term because I don't like these terms. But when I was a kid, I didn't know any better, and I didn't know anybody who was Polish, and we were telling, and there was a, a, a term for this, and it starts with pole, but it's not ish. And we were telling these jokes, and they basically just made Polish people look stupid. I have no idea why we were telling these jokes. I didn't know anybody that was Polish. I didn't hate anybody that was Polish. If I met someone that was Polish, I wouldn't have had a problem with them. But we were just telling these jokes, back and forth and back and forth. I finally get old enough to realize, you know, this is just not right. You get to the place where you understand right from wrong, and you don't tell jokes that make fun of other people. You don't tell jokes making fun of somebody else's nationality. You don't make jokes telling, making fun of somebody else's deficit, right, or their challenge. You don't do that. You and I want to be God's people. We don't do that. It's not funny. It's not cute. It's not cool. And you and I are personally responsible to divorce ourselves from that. Amen? Number two, if I presume that someone is bad because they're part of a particular group, we could call that, what? Prejudice, which means I am judgmental. So there's some debate, apparently, uh, about the term racism and how it should be applied. Okay, that's fine. Just take that term and just move it to the side. You're going to see it everywhere in the media. I just gave you some biblical definition and understanding of that. Vadi Bauckham did. But move that term to the side. You see, this in the end is all about prejudice. It's about pride and prejudice. Yeah. Right? And prejudice means that I prejudge someone. That's where that, that word comes from. I prejudge them. That's why that sign out there has a phrase on it. It's a, a statement from Jesus, actually, in Matthew 7, 1, Sermon on the Mount. And you've heard people quote this probably. They probably quoted it in the old King James. Judge not that you be not judged. Amen? Well, yeah, but do not judge and you will not be judged. Because people look at what you do and they give you back in kind. One of the reasons why our current politicians 
continually throw this hatred back and forth toward each other is because that's what they've been doing all along. You pick your favorite one. You pick your saint out there if you've got one. And I guarantee you, he or she has been showing this judgmental attitude toward the other people in the other party. And in some instances, they've gone very far to exercise prejudice against that person. You and I, as believers in Jesus, must divorce ourselves from that altogether. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Because when you judge, you will be judged with the same measure you use. Consider. Kids, this is important. You can understand this. If you treat someone bad, they're probably going to treat you bad right back. If you're nice to someone, unless they're just really, really hurting and having a real bad day, or unless they're just very damaged and very mean people, and some people are like that. But most of the time, kids, if you will treat someone nice, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they will treat you nice back. Yeah. Now, when those occasions happen, when those times happen, when you're trying to treat somebody nice and they're mean back to you, then you don't have to continue to be in a friendship with them. Don't be in a situation or a friendship with somebody that constantly treats you mean. If you're treating them nice and they're treating you mean, you don't have to be their friend. You don't need them to be your friend. You don't need somebody that's going to be mean to you even though you're treating them nice. Okay? Just a little wisdom for you. And sometimes we just want a friend so bad and teenagers, sometimes, you know, you want a boyfriend or a girlfriend so bad, you get in an abusive relationship. No, man, that boy's abusing you. Get out of there like you're running out of a burning building. You don't need that. You don't need that. All right. So um, we often get treated the way we've been treating other people. So on racism, number three, this idea of being judgmental, of being prejudicial, applies to judging all police based on the conduct of some. Amen. Amen. Black lives do matter. Black cop lives matter. Amen. Black conservative lives matter. Black business owners' lives matter. What we're seeing is it's just too easy to be prejudicial and just hate an entire group of people. And it doesn't matter whether those people share the same skin tone or similar skin tone or the way they wear the same uniform. Are there problems? Yes, there are problems. And Craig addressed some of those last week, and you're hearing about that all the time. What I'm trying to help you to understand is we can't judge everybody on the conduct, the bad conduct of a few. Now, two weeks ago, I told you my story where I had an encounter where I was treated very prejudicially, falsely arrested, put in jail overnight, and I do not hate police officers as the result of it. In fact, this same thing happened to me twice in two different cities. And I don't hate all police officers because, you see, I'm smart enough to override my emotions. I'm smart enough to realize that in the end, God has put these people in a position of authority, as the scripture teaches, and again, this is from our teaching in 1 Peter, to praise the good and punish the evil. Now, when you find a police officer that is punishing someone that doesn't deserve it or is abusing someone, then they don't deserve their office. And they should be arrested and they should be prosecuted and they should no longer be considered a police officer. If someone is abusing their authority as a teacher or as a priest or as a preacher 
or anything. They shouldn't have that office. They're done. They're abusing that authority and that power. But you don't hate all preachers or all teachers or all priests any more than you hate all policemen. That is called prejudice. You are looking at a set of experiences, yours or others. You're using a set of glasses that are tinted a certain color, and you're seeing everybody the same way. Now, it would seem that this would make sense to everyone, that, that this would be just written on your conscience, and I think it is. But I, I, I see right now an effort to overwrite, overwrite and override this, okay? This is also... Uh, applies to police profiling the member of a particular group based upon the conduct of some. That is what I believe happened to me. I was out at 2 o'clock in the morning with a car full of young adult men, one of whom was a month short of being an adult, which is what uh, got me irate. And I had bleached hair at the time. I was a youth minister, and I was uh, you know, not acting my age probably. Uh, I had bleached hair. I had, I had uh, silver earrings. Uh, we were being profiled. These police officers saw me make a U-turn and go back by this, uh, this little uh, religious building, and they assumed the worst. But even after they found out that that was not the case, because of statements that I made, they continued to press in, and they did some things that were illegal that should have been caused for them to be dismissed as police officers. Police do profile, but it's because of what they see. I'm not saying it justifies it, but if you have had a bad experience repeated over and over and over again with people that look similar, you have to let your reason override your emotions because you're going to want to generalize. So how do you act when you see a policeman pull up behind you? How do you feel? How do you act when you see someone of another racial group that you have been taught is potentially dangerous, how do you act when one of those people or several of those people walk by? Now, I'm going to say this. At the height of the rioting that was going on a couple of weeks ago, Garland police were running all over this city trying to head off any potential damage. I woke up at 3.30 in the morning and looked out the window and there were two Garland police officers that were sitting right out on the street outside my window. I wasn't scared. I was happy. I felt more secure. If they're doing what they're intended to do, what they're supposed to do, that should be the feeling that you and I have. So let's talk about justice. There's a whole lot being said about justice today. And you need to understand that God is concerned about justice. Amen? Amos is the prophet that speaks a great deal about justice, mainly economic justice. And the key verse from Amos is Amos 5.24, where he says, Let justice roll down like rivers, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. That's what God wants. He wants justice to roll down like a river. You can't stop it. And righteousness, don't hear a lot about that, but there is integrally connected, right? And that, uh, that verse helps you to see the answer to number one under justice. God is concerned about justice and righteousness, number one. This next one you know. You, how many of you ever memorized the beginning of the Declaration of Independence? Yes? No? No. They don't make you do that anymore, all right? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men, that's all people, are created equal. 
and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You and I should pay attention because that is the founding document to this nation, right? The, the, the foundational document is the Constitution, but what made this nation a nation was that declaration of our independence from British rule. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That means you should just see it. It, just, it should make sense to you without having to read a book to tell you that this is true. That all men, and this is during a time when men was the collective for humans, all people, that all men are created what? Are created what? And so what has happened and what happened after that is that slaves were not considered fully human. And therefore, they could be discounted and they didn't fall under that. And what you're going to find is anytime someone wants to um, destroy a particular group of people, they must demonize them. This happens from the right and this happens from the left. Instead of treating people with, with mutual respect, they treat them with hatred, with contempt. And Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother, if you hold them in contempt, then you're as good as a step away from hell, essentially, is what he said. Right? All human beings are created equal and are endowed by their creator. A, someone who is created equal is created by a God. Endowed means given. These are your rights. Life. 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 Do you understand? Yes. Abortion is not a right. Life is a right. Liberty. You have the right to freedom. You have the right to move about. And as long as your freedom doesn't stop someone else's freedom or hurt somebody else, it should not be abridged by the government. And the pursuit of happiness. You should be able to pursue what makes you happy. Well, in the end, as Christians, we understand something more important than that, that we need to be fulfilled. And fulfillment will result in happiness the most, uh, most times, okay? So uh, that's number two. Number three, each person is responsible for himself or herself. This is so important. And I'm going to get to the end of, of, of these statements under justice, and I may not go any further than that today, although all of this is important. I don't want to keep you here all day. Um, I want to take a look at, uh, actually, I'll put it in there. This is the, the Christian Standard Bible. I like this translation. Um, I posted Ezekiel 18.4 uh, last week, I believe. But I want you to hear what it has to say. The whole chapter should be paid attention to and read. This is Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel what? 18. I commend it to you. I recommend it to you. I would encourage you to read it. Ezekiel 18. Um, I would also encourage you to read Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah what? 31. I really would. Okay. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Oh, let's think about that. What does that mean? Sour grapes. Kids, let's, let's re-engage the kids in the room. Okay? When you eat something sour, what does that make your mouth do? Do you do that? You know? Okay. Makes you pucker up. 
make sure, ooh, with your teeth like that. I mean, something real sour. You know, some of you guys like these sour patch. You like these sour patch? Yeah. Who likes sour patches? I love sour patches. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're good. Do you just chew them and go, mmm, man, that's really good? Or does it kind of make you go, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently there are beers that are called sours for adults. No, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> It makes you pucker up. It makes you go, whoa. Okay. Well, the thing is, what happens when you watch somebody else that's eating something sour and you just really, really identify with them and you're like, oh, oh. You're making, you're making my mouth pucker up. All right. So what these people were saying is, our fathers ate the sour grapes and our teeth oh, are set on edge. They were saying... We're dealing with the consequences of our father's sins. We're dying because of what our fathers did. There's a lot being said today about corporate responsibility and corporate guilt. Listen to what the word of God says. As I live, this is the declaration of the Lord God. You will no longer use this proverb in Israel. Look, every life belongs to me. How many lives? Every. How many lives matter? Every. Every life belongs to me. Your life matters because God made you. Your life matters because you're made in the imago dei, in the image of God. You belong to him even if you hold that to yourself. In the end, you're going to stand before God in judgment. I like my friend Felix, you didn't see him today. He's up there running this thing for us. But he's got a, he's got a shirt on. There's an old quote by Tupac. I'm surprised somebody his, his age even knows who that is. All right. I'm not promoting that dude's stuff. Okay, come on. But Tupac said, only God can judge me. And I like this. This is what I like to say. This is what I like to say. When somebody's judging me, you know what I like to say? You're not my judge. You're not even on the jury. I know who my judge is. Amen. The scripture says it is appointed for every man once to die and then comes judgment. Who dies? Who dies? And who's going to stand before judgment? I will. The scripture says that we will all stand before the judgment bar of Christ to give an answer for our lives and what we've done, whether good or bad. How many people are going to stand before the judgment bar of Christ? That's who you need to fear. That was in Matthew chapter 10 today, which I didn't know that's where Craig was back here, but I sent that out to those of you that uh, are in my uh, daily Bible group, uh, Matthew 10, where he says, don't fear the one that can kill the body. Fear the, fear the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's not the devil. That's Almighty God. If you fear God, you need fear nothing. You need fear no one else. Amen. All lives are mine, he says. The life of the Father is like the life of the Son. Both belong to me. The person who sins is the one who will die. And then he goes into an extensive uh, set of examples where he shows that a father who is evil can be overridden by a son who is good, and then the son who is good will be treated well by God. Or the father who is good can teach his son or his daughter to do good, but they choose to do evil and they will be punished for their evil. You are not responsible for the sins of your ancestors. I'm waiting for an amen here. 
Did my ancestors own slaves? I have no idea, but probably. It's likely. Am I accountable for that? No, what I'm accountable for doing is repudiating and utterly rejecting values that put other people beneath me. Amen? Amen. And I could go into many examples here. But I am responsible for rejecting wickedness, even if it is wickedness that was passed on to me by my parents, even if it is wickedness that was passed on to me by my inheritance, my heritage. I need to repudiate that. I need to reject that. That is what I'm responsible to do. If you just go along with the crowd, if you just do what they do because it's what they do, kids, this is, this is what can happen to you. You get with a group of kids, a group of other children, and they're doing something that you know is wrong, and you just do what they do, now you become somebody that's doing something wrong. You need to say, you know what? Y'all might be my friends, but I'm not going here, Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When I was a, when I was a child, I, I didn't go to church very often at all. I believed that Jesus was real and, you know, God was kind of out there, but I didn't follow Jesus. Right? Kids. Did I follow Jesus when I was a baby child? No. What did I just say? I did not. I had a friend who liked to break into houses. I got really, nobody knows this. First revelation. I got really good at breaking into houses. We broke into my elementary school. We went into the library and we stole all the fines. We were being Robin Hood. We said, yeah, you find everybody for, you know, these books and we're just going to take that. But then I started feeling bad about this. I started, and then I had a friend who liked to destroy other people's property. We found this, we found this big, looked like a, I don't know, like a cannonball or something, just a big metal ball. And we were throwing it at this building and knocking big holes in it. And he was older than me and I was doing it because he was doing it. Now I finally figured out, hey, this is wrong and this is not what I want to be doing. But I had to get away from that friend, even though I really, really liked being around him. He was older than me. He made me feel important because I was younger. But he kept doing all these bad things. And by the way, his family was very religious. I won't mention the the religious group. It wasn't a standard Christian religious group, but it's a very moral religious group. And I know his parents taught him better. Well, my parents, even though I didn't go to church, taught me not to steal. But you can be caught up in doing what other kids do. Okay? They want to get you to smoke something. They want to get you to drink something. They want to get you to destroy some property. But adults, this is what we do when we've got a group of people in the office that are all talking a certain way and acting a certain way. And right now our country is very, very divided and people are very, very angry. And you may be only hearing part of that and one side of that. But people are very angry right now because of what's going on. And their tendency is to want to treat all the other people who are on the other political side the same way we are seeing that some people apparently are still treating other people of a quote-unquote racial group. You and I need to divorce ourselves from that utterly and completely and repudiate it and walk uprightly and live the way God wants us to live, right? Um, and this will, this will be a good place for us to, to uh, conclude. If you have rejected unrighteousness and injustice, you are not guilty for anything your ancestors did. That's number five. If you have rejected unrighteousness and injustice, you're not guilty for anything your ancestors did. 
there was a, there was a program that got me to subscribe to Apple TV uh, here recently. It's uh, um, a series called Defending Jacob. Now, in the event that you want to watch this thing, I'm not going to give away uh, everything uh, that is in it in the plot. But I will tell you that it's predicated on this young man named Jacob. He's a young teenager who's accused of murdering a classmate. And Jacob's father is a, um, a prosecutor. When Jacob's father finds out that there might be evidence against his son, he actually begins to kind of uh, remove potential evidence and then ends up being fired. I don't know if he's actually fired or if he was put on furlough, I can't remember, uh, from being a prosecutor. And then he turns around and seeks to, uh, to help the defense attorney to defend his son. Well, one of the things that uh, the father, Jacob's father, uh, had not even told his wife was that his father, this is, and, and the, the father is played by Chris Evans. He's played by uh, Captain America, right? And Chris Evans's character, we discover, has a father who is in prison for murder and rape. And Chris Evans, his character has completely turned his life around, turned his back on. He was never around his dad. Uh, his dad would, was evil, did evil, was put away for evil. But there were people who were talking about the so-called murder gene. In other words, is there a genetic predisposition for murder? Well, it's ridiculous is what it is. But this is how people think. That there must be some predisposition because of your ancestors, whether that's a father or a grandfather. Or, and that's just not the case, friend. You are responding. Now, you have certain proclivities. There are certain people that are more aggressive. There are certain people that have a tendency to be more violent from the time they're younger. And you have to fight against those proclivities and those tendencies. But nothing makes you do anything. You make a decision to do it. So you and I are responsible for rejecting those tendencies if we have them. Number six, and this is a good one for Father's Day. If you train your children to be righteous and, and just... You will not share their guilt should they choose to do wrong. Now, parents, I know how this works. You're held responsible, financially responsible. Kids, this is why you don't destroy property. Your parents are going to have to pay for it. And that's wrong. This is why you don't hurt somebody else, because your parents are going to have to deal with it. But that doesn't mean it's their fault. It's your fault. Parents, when your kids get older, if you've done what you can do to train them to do right and be right, and they end up doing wrong and getting punished for it, you don't need to walk around with a guilt trip. It's not your fault. It's literally not your fault. Each person is responsible before God for their own sins. You're not responsible for your children's sins. You're not responsible for your parents or your grandparents or your ancestors' sins. The soul that sins will surely die. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. You accrue death as the result of sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life. So we'll conclude there. Um, we'll see if I, I continue on with this or not. Uh, next week, there's more notes there on righteousness and on social justice. But you need to understand, that's what Scripture says. That's um, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, the price for sin is death. What you earn for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So what you and I are responsible to do is understand that we do sin, 
that we accrue death, we earn death, we build up death as the result of that sin, and we need forgiveness. We need to be released from that. This is, kids, this is you. If you lie, if you cheat, if you're mean to other kids, if you act like you're better than other people, those are sins. And you need to take that to Jesus. You need to receive his gift of eternal life. That's how we step out of this. And by the way, that's how we get adopted into God's family. That's how we get reborn. That's how we become a chosen nation, a royal priesthood. That's how we become that, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. That's how we become that, is we receive this Christ Jesus who died on the cross for our sins and then rose from the dead and sends his spirit to live inside all of his people. And they are his people. You become his people.